Welcome to Sitting With My Sisters. We are three friends in three different places with three different perspectives. Bringing you a podcast to share the love, light, and goodness of Jesus Christ as we go through the recent general conference talks from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm one of your hosts, Melissa Hoy, and with me are my sisters, Kristen Lawler and Jamie Stone. All right. Well, we are so excited to be back to another conference talk. Um, we are ending up the second, uh, the last conference talk of this Saturday morning session with President Irene, Prayers of Faith. Um, so President Irene starts this talk by talking about how President Nelson invited us all to prepare for the upcoming conference by studying the restoration. He pondered on the question, in what way is my part vital? And then he shared his experience of what he studied and what he read about all about the restoration. Yeah, this talk was super interesting for me. Um, I often think of the quote Elder Irene points out um, of President Nelson saying that this conference would be a hinge point in the history of the church and your part is vital. And I was kind of curious to know how others feel about this quote and how they interpret his message of this being a hinge point in the history of the church. And like, if anyone else felt that it was a hinge point. Um, and then President Hiring, he answers this question by saying, I realized that my preparation for this conference was a hinge point in my personal history. I felt changes in my heart. I felt new gratitude. I felt filled with joy at the prospect of being invited to participate in the celebration of the ongoing restoration. And I don't know, as I was thinking about this and him talking about it being a hinge point, maybe I just didn't understand it. But I was like, why don't I feel like this is a hinge point in my life? I mean, maybe when I look back, I'll see it as a hinge point. Just right now, I didn't really interpret this conference as that. That could be just me. Well, I think that, well, you know, so I Googled hinge point because... Google tells you everything. Well, I didn't know what hinge point meant. It's <laughs> 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 What do you mean hinge point you know i mean i know what a hinge is is it when the hinge is in a point you know because usually like right. you know, anyways like is that what it is or is there a certain spot of the hinge or blah blah anyway so it was interesting when i googled hinge point and not that google knows everything but when i googled hinge point the first thing that came up was president nelson's um talk about that of his quote talking about how this is going to be a hinge point. And so, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And also, someone had also mentioned a scholar saying that hinge point is not commonly used. It's a very, um, it's very rare to, to ever even use that. It's not, it's not a commonly works, which, I, and this is me, my interpretation, you know, because I know everything, um, that maybe that's why it stuck out so much of like, wait, hinge point, like that's not just a, a common right. word that we would use. Like, wait, what does that really mean? What do you mean by hinge point? Anyway, the, the definition I did get from though is saying that it is a turning point in which a significant change takes place. 
um, of a just like when someone's having a discussion and a point, um, they're talking about like a lecture and whatnot of, of shifting things from one point of teaching to get to a different to a different point um, to, to finally to your point. And so um, anyway, and so I, I think, and this is also, like I said, in my mind, for all these apostles and prophets, the apostles and the leaders that are sharing their thoughts, they also have back in their mind that they also have just done a proclamation about the restoration. And so they've studied and they, they know that they're about to say something very significant. Did President Nelson already tell us that he's going to do the proclamation or he's doing something special? I think he said he was doing something special and that we were going to do the hallet. The, uh, the hallelujah. Yeah, the hallelujah shout. So, well, we didn't know the, the proclamation of the restoration was being made at this time. And so I think that's now going back to it because, you you know, it's something that didn't really catch on. But now, what does that mean to us now? What does it mean? Why why is the understanding the restoration so vital and so important right now in our understanding, in our studies, and in our testimonies, and, and, and whatnot? Well, and didn't he kind of use this quote before conference, right? Like, as we prepared for this conference, we would find it to be a hinge yeah. in our lives, right? Yeah, and that's why, that's why I came up on Google first, is because President Nelson had, had you know, stated this as invitation for all of us to prepare for this next upcoming conference. Um, right. He sent out an email to everyone that was from him. It wasn't, like, from the first presidency. Or right. That's what it was. And I... Actually, me and my husband were talking about this today, and I think the reason why I think we interpreted it differently, like I think when he said hinge point in that email, like we're thinking of like there's going to be some grand announcement, right? Yeah. Like he's gonna he's gonna reveal something that's never been revealed before, and I felt in my mind this conference was kind of just a reminder of the restoration and how the gospel came to pass instead of like some huge big revelation does that make sense so i think maybe just our definition our the own definition we made of it was something different than what he was actually trying to convey mm -hmm. see my word we had word conference a week or two before general conference happened. And one of our speakers, who's from our state presidency, he, like his entire talk focused just on that email that was sent out. It was also on the church's website and stuff too. But um, I'm really glad because it kind of pre prepared my mind on what to expect for general conference. Because I mean, for anybody who's listening, who might be new, um, to the church or may not be a member we don't know what's going to happen at each general conference like what announcements are happening and we kind of sometimes get some hints or there's rumors that kind of float around but nobody really knows so one definition that the speaker shared with us is that a hinge point or a hinge is a point in a lesson when you need to check if students are ready to move on and if yes then which direction so you don't move on until everybody is on the same page. So with that explanation, I like to look at this specific conference more as a lesson for all of us. It's a time for us to check in with our own testimonies, with our loved ones, and so on. 
and we kind of like do we have the spiritual strength to go forward kind of going back to one of our previous talks that we covered in an earlier episode about doing this what checking our spiritual storehouse and seeing what we need to stock up on and where everybody's at i really love i really love that um kind of definition he gave you guys because in in my mind that fits more of this conference as well than i think what i had previously thought and see when i googled it too just to double check for this that was the first thing that came up so melissa i don't know what kind of google you got going on but <laughs> but i didn't click the article it was like the I, definition I have the article I, I have a setting on mine to make sure it's like really holy things come up and so that way nothing <laughs> bad comes up. So any, anything I Google, it will show, you know. Come on. You know, you know, Google vid, vid angel. Yeah, I Google, I Google Bachelor and when President Oaks was single, he came up and how he come out and he's going to be the next LDS Bachelor. I think you're just searching on the LDS website, not Google. <laughs> Search Google. It's not the LDS website anymore. It's the Church of Jesus Christ. That's that's true. I stand corrected. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, going back to, I think that also with the programs that have been set forth for us, I, best, I love that idea that you had, Chris, of us coming together. You know, I love the teaching that we have now, you know, that we're all the primary lessons, the Sunday school lessons, the, you know, everything is all this, the same. We're all learning at the same page that are kind of going forth in the church. And so, um, so it definitely was a, a, hinge, a hinge point for all of us. We're already in that direction right now to kind of come together and be, be one as, as the Savior has asked us to be. Um, I also liked a little bit later on in this where he talks about um, how the, part of the preparation that he had, of, and not only his preparation of just um, just of like the restoration of this talk but also preparation for the second coming of christ is saying that he will be lifting he will lift each of us so we may rise to the spiritual challenges and opportunities unlike any seen in the history of of the world um and i am definitely a person that i like to know what's going to happen um I, I mean not that i have to like know all the details i kind of wanted to know that there's a good plan in place um i i like you know I know I've had four C-sections with my kids and I, I wanted to know, okay, where are you going to, when are you going to place the needle? How much is it going to hurt? Or I just have to know everything just so that way I can place it. And so I love that, that idea where he's just like giving us this like information to be able to help, help us out and be able to help lift us. And, and so we can be able to know that we'll, we'll be okay. We don't have to hide and be scared or, or whatever it may be. Um, and so I really liked, I liked that part of the, um, his message there. So the, the next part he starts going into, he starts talking about, um, he shares about Joseph Smith and his counselors and their, their declaration, which also, which, you know, this kind of tying that in, he referenced to their declaration that they had, and I, I wish I would have done more research on this because I know that right after the declaration was made, I did do some research and there was like seven other declarations that were made and, and during the time. So Joseph Smith and his counselors we're about to make a declaration. Um, and so I definitely think President Iring related to him because they were about to make a declaration. Anyway, sorry, I'm rambling there about that. Anyway, so he talks about the Joseph Smith's counselors were um, 
about to talk about the last things on how Joseph Smith said that many of the, the specifics of what we will do and when we will do it in the unfold and the restoration are not yet revealed. But yet the first presidency, even in those early days, knew some of the um, breadth and depth of the work of the Lord has set before us. Yeah, and it's interesting to think about like what hasn't been revealed yet because we do know things that have been revealed that are supposed to, you know, welcome in the second coming. Um, for instance, you know, some of the things we do know is that the gospel will go to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. And Elder Irene says that um, technology, miracles, and missionary work uh, will help with that, which I think is true. We see technology a lot these days being used even by missionaries that are currently serving and you know this technology is in places where missionaries can't be called and so we're kind of getting into those nations that way um and then as i was talking to my husband about that he kind of directed me to the recent well not recent it was the april ensign of this year president nelson he talks about um, how to prepare the world for the second coming. And one is to gather Israel on both sides of the veil. And I remember him saying something of, along those lines a couple conferences ago what, that I thought was so interesting that um, the gospel was for people on both sides of the veil and that they're still participating just as much as we are. And um, he said, we not only uh, teach this doctrine, but we participate in it. We gather pedigree charts, create family group sheets, and do temple work vicariously to gather individuals unto the Lord and into their families. So as people on the other side are preparing, um, you know, it's our job here on earth to get that work done for them. So those were like a couple of things that we do know. Um, need to happen before the second coming. Definitely. This, I really like Irene's talks. There, there's a lot to take in <laughs> when he speaks, but I like, I do enjoy listening to him. Um, in this section too, President Irene says, says that faithful and brave disciples will, will fearlessly, humbly, and openly take upon them the name of Christ in their everyday lives. So this, to me, is telling us that we need to stand for Christ, both in our private and our public life. And I think it can be scary to talk or post about our faith in Jesus Christ, but I have learned that it can help my own testimony grow and other testimonies, even if they're of different faith. I know that I have found a lot of insight, inspiration, and comfort from others who share their faith, regardless of what religion they belong to. And I love that through that Christ truly can unite, strengthen, and heal all of us with his love. So I really like that little section that he put in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, he also quotes Joseph Smith and his counselor saying that the work which has to be accomplished in the last days is one of vast importance and will call into action the energy, skill, talent, and ability of the saints so that it may roll forth. And that got me asking myself, like what skills, talents, and abilities do I have 
that could help with leading in the second coming? Like, what would I be put in charge of? <laughs> Isn't that an interesting question to think about? Like, I don't know. It's hard yeah. to imagine. Like, I need to think about that and find what, like, my callings would be. It's so easy, I think, to see what other people are good at, and you're always like, oh, like, I mean, there's a lot of obvious talents, like people who can sing or, like, have talents that show, and it's easy to overlook those talents of being a good listener or always feeling valued when you speak to them or being, um, like, good at organizing or good at maybe not being like creating stuff but being creative and thinking outside of the box like there's a lot of talents that I think we overlook when I hear that I think I'll be the heavenly jester is what I think <laughs> you'll be you'll be keeping it light and fun for everyone as you know, I gotta learn how to juggle though I think. as the earth is being set on fire <laughs> Just look this way. Look at these balls. I'm throwing in the air. <laughs> Follow me to the light. Check this out. <laughs> yeah. I'm flying. I'm being lifted up. <laughs> Hopefully, right? That's my, that's my goal. Um, so the next section that he kind of starts going into um, is... Um, he then asks how we can participate now in such a, um, in how we can, each of us can participate in this work of such magnitude and grandeur. He refers to President Nelson's talk, um, taught us how to grow our spiritual power through following the principles of Jesus Christ. And he gives the example also of Joseph Smith and how he grew his spiritual power by, by prayer. I have really do like this list that he shares because it's just four things and um it's just four things that we can do to grow our spiritual power which is repentance and to look at it as a joyful opportunity um prayer and to believe that heavenly father hears our every prayer to obey and live the commandments and to receive continuing revelation and I, when I was thinking about it, I really thought, wow, like this is the four cornerstones of building our relationship with Heavenly Father. And we sometimes just make it a lot harder than it needs to be. But this is, you know, the meat and potatoes that you build upon. Yeah, I think, I think there's definitely more of an attitude that comes with it too as well. I mean, there's one thing to repent and, and you know, say our prayers and obey and all that stuff. But he's asking us to, you know, joyfully um, find opportunities for our faith, you know, and and be able to believe that our prayers are being answered and um, and striving to, to obey. I mean, those are, those are a lot of different attitudes that we can have um, that can change how we look at things and how we're able to actually really receive those revelations. Um, than just kind of saying, oh, all right, check this off. Yeah, it's definitely not a to-do list, I think. Where's, where's my blessing? We're overdue now. <laughs> it's definitely a way to to change your perspective and look. Because there's a lot of times, too, when I go into prayer, like, this is what's going to happen. I mean, I'm not demanding like that. But I have, like, I go into my prayer thinking I'm going to be praying for one thing. And then when I actually start praying, like, all these words come out of my mouth that I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even 
like that's not what I meant to say when I sat down to pray right now. And so I think we really do need to think about our attitude and how like the gentle nudging that we get when we do so like humbly and kind of open-minded too about and, and doing it joyfully too. Well, I think also what stuck out too was the joyful opportunity of repentance. You know, I mean, that's a game changer. Anybody that looks at repentance, they think of, that means I screwed up. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think it's a completely thing as far as I've sinned, but more of I'm ready to grow, you know, and I'm ready to learn things. And I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think the repentance process is a completely, um, like I said, just, just for people that are need forgiveness. It's for people that are ready to change and to grow and to move forward. And if we see those as opportunities and exciting for those things, you know, I know for myself with the different struggles that I've had, I've been trying to see them a little bit more as like, okay, this really is horrible to go through, but if I can become more compassionate at the end of this, or if I can become, you know, more understanding or whatever it may be, um, it just gives more hope of what the Lord's trying to do, trying to mold and make me to be a better person. Um, yeah, I think too, changing that perspective instead of like shame, because that's what the adversary wants you to feel. Like Heavenly Father does not teach us through shaming. And it's to think of it as a joyful experience, because I've said this before, but we forget that the price of our wrongdoings has already been paid. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a fine line when, and that's what I've learned at least in the last little bit of how much shame comes in from the adversary to make you stay in that state, feeling that you are not worthy of the forgiveness and growth that you deserve. Um, that, you know, if you can just, that guilt or whatever the guilt that helps you get to that point to be able to want to change that motivates you to change. But then the adversary throws in the shame factor. And those are two different feelings that you can have, but they're very easily to be noticed together. Um, and I know myself, I've, I've let shame hold me back so much when so many times I've come to prayer asking for, to lift these burdens. And the burden really wasn't that, that it was there. It was more of just me, having that shame, holding on to that shame when that could have been let go a long time ago. Tell me about it. it took me 10 years. <laughs> yeah. No, and I feel like I'm somewhat currently going through that, you know, um, with, this, with what's going on with me. But um, I don't know, reading his list, um, I definitely feel like I'm lacking in spiritual power um, I don't know if anyone ever feels the way I do, but sometimes I just feel like my faith isn't strong enough to receive the type of revelation or answers to my prayers the way Joseph Smith did or other stories you hear, hear about. A lot of times I feel like I'm not being heard and maybe I'm just not a great prayer. Maybe I don't take enough time to listen, um, but it's, definitely frustrating sometimes to to feel like you're pouring your heart out and you can't really hear anything back and maybe it's just this 
time I'm in this point in my journey because I know in the past I've felt or heard answers to my prayers. Um, it's been, been quite the struggle this past year. I think what you'll find, at least what I've found, is that, and I'm still finding it out, is that the the Lord loves us so much and he knows us, you know, so individually. I mean, I know, you know, let's not put you on the spot too much, Jamie, but, um, you know, you told me a story just not too long ago about how you were praying to feel his love. And then the next, you know, day you found this letter from your dad, you know, right. telling you how wonderful you are and whatnot. And, and I was actually thinking about that today, you know, in preparation for that of, of how that's so amazing. And, and, and some, I don't want to say that you're, you're missing the picture by any means at all, but I've loved seeing a couple of the situations because I'm a good friend of yours of seeing the way the Lord has talked to you because one thing that's so close to and near and dear is, is your dad, you know, and to be able to have a lot of those miracles of having that memory of your dad and that spirit of your dad close to you. Um, it's the way for Heavenly Father to communicate with you. So you listen. Um, right. And I, I found that there's been times where I personally need to be talked to and he does it the way I can hear him. Um, I mean, obviously if I got a note from my dad, I wouldn't feel the same way you did because my dad's crazy. Your dad is a loving memory. Just kidding. My dad is wonderful, but it's just, it's a different, it's a different relationship that you've been longing for. I don't know if we mentioned this on our podcast. So Jamie's dad passed away a little bit ago and, um, and, um, you know, it's something that you definitely want to connect still to and whatnot. And so having that connection, and, you know, we saw a lot of that connection last year and we'll probably talk about that at a different time. But anyway, I, I feel like the, our, the Lord does talk to us in, in a way we, we need to be heard. And so I think that afterwards, even though you may not be hearing anything, you're going to find a more personal connection to the Heavenly Father than ever. And so... That's really it. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry, Jamie, too, that you're going through it right now because it can be really difficult when you feel like your prayers aren't being heard or answered. And I have often felt that way, too, like my entire childhood. It's fine. <laughs> and although it can be, feel lonely, it didn't last forever, even though it felt like it may have. And I just know... Um, that all of our prayers are answered and some and heard, and sometimes we just have to continue in faith and grow through something instead of letting something just pass us by. And looking back now that those times of despair have given me the strength and answers I've needed for trials that came later in my life, and just like an easy one to share is that I always had to go to church alone as a child and get rides with friends or go by myself or like call my grandparents and have them pick me up to come. But doing that for so long, it's not a big deal to me now to go to church by myself or be have to go to church alone with my kids. And it's just not like, I mean, wrangling them all during sacrament isn't super fun but it's not as hard if I didn't have all those years of having to do it by myself either if that makes sense yeah. and there's this one quote from Melanie Price Wellman Stroud 
I think I got them all there. She does a podcast, Come Follow Me for Us. And she did this quote that I absolutely love. It said, she said, your current trials could be the Lord orchestrating an answer to your prayers years from now. The Lord had to create the star that shone over Bethlehem so many years before it ever did. Do you know how long it takes for a star to go? It's I like <laughs> billions of years. I used to know. I'll have to Google it. But it's like a long time. And he did that like so it would line up perfectly with Christ's birth. I like that. There's definitely a lot of preparation, I feel, you know, um, what the Lord does for us to be able to, uh, what Heavenly Father does for us to be able to make the, you know, make our journey meaningful and for us to know that he's there. Um, it's 20 million years. Wow. 20 million years. Yes. So 20 million years before Christ appeared, he placed that star. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Or he just... I mean, that, that's what it says according to Google. Well, what does Google know? Well, it's from the scholastic teaching content. Should I Google my site, Did my holy Google site, and see what comes up? No. <laughs> All right. So the, the rest of the talk, um, and I love these examples that he has, he shares of... Of a couple different examples he goes through joseph smith's prayer um at the first vision he goes through enos's prayer which is beautiful and then he shares of a personal experience of elder david b Haight um when he was the when president irene had become a newest member of the quorum of the twelve apostle and he listened to president Haight's talk and they're wonderful examples of prayer um and how they those different people have connected with, with God. Well, we all know how I feel about prayer. <laughs> I talk about it every episode, I think. And um, it was my mustard seed of faith that even in the times that I was inactive, and when I say times, I mean 10 years, plus, you know, all the on and off times of childhood with my family. And, but I still remain faithful in my prayers and I really enjoyed this whole section. It just kind of reinforced my personal feelings about prayer and to do so faithfully and continuously. It also reminded me of a quote from Al, Al Carraway that I love. And it's um, heard the quote, specific prayers receive specific answers. And so I just, think, you know, you got to pour out your soul in prayer, but you also need to listen. And I think too, like the adversary wants you to stop praying. And if, when you think about it, like it's a war tactic to stop communication. Like the adversary wants to shame you saying that, oh, you're not worthy. It's, you, you know, what you're praying for is important. It's not a big deal. So don't give in to the voice. You know, you, I think you just need to keep praying because yeah. There's so many fringe benefits. Well, and I think it's hard not to give in to that voice that is telling you, like, you know, you're not good enough to be praying right now. I, I can definitely say I've had so many moments this year where I feel like giving up on praying. I sometimes feel like Heavenly Father is just so annoyed 
and frustrated by me and my doubts and just doesn't want to hear it anymore. It's kind of like when my kids come to me over and over and over again about the same thing. And I just want to tell them like, come on, you just like need to get over it. Or did you hear what I told you the first time? Or why aren't you listening to me? And, you know, I just imagine him kind of feeling the same way towards me. Um, and I guess I, I sometimes forget that the difference between him and me is that he's perfect and he always loves me and he's patient and I'm not. And I think that's where, <laughs> you know, the, the heads butt is I have one thought in my frustration when he's probably not even thinking those things, you know? Definitely. That, uh, so I have this Pinterest quote. I, I'm just full of quotes tonight, guys. Like, you are. You are. I, I, that's, like that. I'm just good about it today. But there's this Pinterest quote that, like, I really, really love. And I don't even know who said it I, or whatever. You know, it's just on Pinterest. But it says, sometimes I feel like I pray too much that I'll annoy God. But then I think I'd rather get to heaven and have Jesus say, now there's a familiar voice than having to say, it's nice to finally hear from you. And so don't, you're not going to annoy him. And even if you did, like the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So, I mean, either way, you're looking at it. You're just going to yeah. nag him to death until he answers your prayer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you keep inviting people to come with you to stuff until they just wear them down and they become your friend. That is right. Kristen's method. For getting her husband and having me be her friend, so <laughs> it worked for her. So, I mean, that's two solid gold relationships right there. That's true. That's true. I know when to put in the work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do like you know Brigham. He quoted Brigham Young, and I really like this quote. And I and I didn't highlight it for myself, but I was thinking about that as you were saying things. Um, it said, I do not know any other way for the Latter-day Saints than for every breath to be a virtual, um, wait, sorry, every breath to be virtually a prayer for God to guide and direct his people. And I feel like that's how I am, you know, I, I um, a lot of times I, the morning prayers aren't really that deep. I'm kind of like, I don't want to say I'm, I'm ready to go already. And so it's hard to kind of hold back, um, and just sit down and just, you know, pray, but I definitely am having a prayer all throughout the day, you know, and all throughout the day, and, and, and so I, I, I do think that's, that's a good, good thing to have as well. Yeah, um, my favorite part of this section is when Elder Irene shares his experience with Elder David B. Haight, he says, I remember when as the newest member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, I knelt in prayer with Elder David B. Haight. He was about the age I am now with challenges I now experience myself. I remember his voice as he prayed. I didn't open my eyes to look, but it sounded to me as if he was smiling. He spoke with Heavenly Father with joy in his voice. I can hear in my mind his happiness when he said, in the name of Jesus Christ. It sounded to me as if Elder Hate felt the Savior was affirming at that moment the message he had prayed to the Father, and I was sure it would be received with a smile. And I just love the imagery of that story. Like that is the type of relationship I want to develop with my heavenly father, where I can envision him.
smiling with me or crying with me or feeling any other emotion that I'm going through. And I think like that's my goal for this year is no matter what like doubts I'm going through, like I want to build that relationship with my Heavenly Father where like I feel the connection with him. Like he really knows me and I look to him as my father. And, you know, I've told Melissa and Kristen this, like a lot of the times when I pray, it's easier for me to pray when I envision my own father because he's passed away. He's on the other side of the veil. And so I have that loving connection with my dad. And so when I pray, sometimes I picture him in my head and I don't know if that's really like the right thing for me to do but um it's what makes me feel um like I'm being heard because I can just picture my dad talking back to me but that's like the relationship I want to build with my heavenly father I think it's a very understandable thought I thought about that actually a lot there was actually and I've talked to both of you about this about how uh, I thought about how our relationship with our own dad is maybe possibly mirrored the same relationship with with God. Um, I know for myself, my father. I, I you know I, I love my father. He's very he's a a very uh, strict man sometimes, and he kind of expects a lot out of me. Um, and so I sometimes put that same as Holy Father. And I get nervous about him, um, but um I, I I think there I think it makes sense though, and I think that also because your dad has you know passed away. He's right. right there. He's right there. So if if God didn't hear your message, I'm sure your dad is like, just so you know, this is this is what she meant by it. You know? <laughs> he's translating he's, for this me. Up trying, there. trying to say here. Well, I like at the very end too that it says that. You know, when we go back to the, the original question as, what is your vital part in the Lord's work? And he says that as we just pray in faith, we become a vital part. And, and when we pray in faith, that, that can go in so many different ways. That could help us understand things, that help us to inspire to help people. I mean, that, that goes in so many different directions on what that can do. But where it starts in our vital part on preparing for the second coming is having prayer, having um, to pray in faith um, and building that relationship. And that's just, that's just exciting. We don't have to memorize, be the best at, you know, have a certain calling or have like some programs or whatever. He's asking us to pray in faith and know God. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're preparing to meet God um, and preparing for this day. And I like, like that just seems less overwhelming when I think about my vital part in it. It's just building the relationship that he already wants me to have with him. Um, so that's that's the that's the talk. Um, we had a couple two favorite quotes. We did not have three. Me and Jamie. Because thought, Melissa is trying to steal mine. No, because I think my typical. Typical. I think my goodness has rubbed off on Jamie. Is really really what it is. I think you're the slacker in the group project, then, Melissa. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just taking the credit. Okay. I'll turn it in, guys. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Just give it to me. I'll, I'll turn it in. I'll turn in the, the group calls. 
Anyway, Kristen, show us, tell us your uh, favorite quote, and then Jamie, why don't you speak for both of us and share our favorite quote? Um, got it. Okay, so my quote comes after that list of four items for spiritual power. Um, at the end of that section, he says that a feeling of light will stay with us even as the world around us becomes darker. And I just love, really like that quote, um, especially with everything that's going on in the world, that we can still cling to Christ and have that light within us. Um, the quote that Melissa and I picked <laughs> was, as part of our preparation for his coming, he will lift each of us so we may rise to spiritual challenges and opportunities unlike any scene in the history of the world. Melissa, why don't you tell them all why we picked this quote? <laughs> <laughs> well, this just goes back to, you know, I kind of mentioned before of us being lifted up. Um, you know, I love, um, you know, when I think about lift, being lifted up, you're, it's because you were brought down below or you're maybe hiding or whatnot. And I love that the idea that we have the knowledge and strength and that we'll be able to rise above anything um and it's just a good good thing to have in the back of your head to be able to i mean like i said you know we've talked about our our runs i know i can get through the run i mean like the run's better because i know i can get through it you know if you don't think you can go through the run i go a lot slower you know and so you know you can get through these challenges because the lord is on your side so you have to remember that so um, we couldn't figure out a challenge and, um, from this talk. So I challenge you, uh, you listeners out there to tell us what the challenge is. Again, I'm asking someone else to do the work for me. So or maybe to put into practice the four things he tells us to do to gain more spiritual power. All right. That's a, that's a good one. I'll Thank you. That's a good one. So that one was, just repeat, is to have repentance as a joyful opportunity to understand and believe that Heavenly Father hears our every prayer and to strive to obey and live the commandments. And then with all that, we grow in power of receiving continual revelation. Um, so thank you so much for all your guys' um, comments you guys have made on our Instagram account. We love hearing your testimonies. And I... I hope that you guys continue to, to listen, um, to write down your testimonies to us of how you're growing closer to um, to the Savior, how you're feeling the Spirit more in your guys' lives. Um, please tag your friends onto our Instagram so that way they can find us too, or send a send a, send them out to our our uh, any of our any of your friends so that they can hear us too. We want to hear as many testimonies as possible so we all can grow and learn more as we come closer to Christ. And so we will see you next time on Sitting with My Sisters. Yeah. Bye. Hear you later. Listen later. I like when you say, I like when you tell them adios. Adios. Ciao. Adios.